0: Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain?
1: You're a wizard,
2: Harry.
0: I'm a what? Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry.
1: and gentlemen welcome to real talk a movie podcast we are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films i am your host wes jones podcasting from bowling green kentucky hey this is tommy podcasting straight from nashville tennessee
3: the movie buddy conway podcasting from bowling green
0: kentucky
1: What's up, Real Talk listeners? As always, thank you for downloading this episode of the show and being here with us tonight. On this episode, we're diving into the vast world of Harry Potter. And more specifically, we're going to be covering the Sorcerer's Stone, or for our international audience, the Philosopher's Stone. But don't worry, it's not going to be just two straight hours of muggled middle-aged men talking about a children's book and film series We did bring along a very knowledgeable female guest with us tonight, and I think that's going to be very important. In other words, we have got a great episode lined up for you that I think both casuals and Potterheads alike are going to enjoy. So let's get the rest of the crew in here. Hey Wes, real quick, uh, and I know I, I'm not I know this bugs you, but I'm
3: not supposed to talk before I'm introduced. It's like a rule. That was I, your I, rule.
1: That
3: was a rule I made up, but I have something. Guys, we've got range. We just did The Shining and we're going to Harry Potter. I mean, if that isn't range, I don't know what is. And I've got to say, I've really thought about it, Wes. I'm adventure. I'm sci-fi. I I'm completely the opposite film taste as you. And you've made me watch these horror movies all the month of October. You've made me watch these sci fi virus films. But, you know, I've started to kind of like them. And so, what I'm kind of realizing, Wes, is you
1: complete me. How does that make you feel? A little awkward. We're having this conversation on air, and now we, of course, could could do this outside of the show. But I do, I do appreciate the kind I mean, of, the kind of words.
3: I mean, you're making me a stronger movie fan and a more broad movie fan. Is what I wanted to tell you.
2: You guys are giving me a a Ron and Harry vibe right now. Some brother yeah. love.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same I think. think it's uh, it might also be creeping the audience out a bit. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, let's – we'll go from that. Let's just move over to T-Man real quick. And uh, T-Man, you know, you, you claimed on the craft episode that we did a while back that you've dabbled in wizardry and witchcraft. But honestly, the more I understand about you, not only could you be considered a wizard, but you have quite the history with Harry Potter, a fat Harry Potter resume, an expert if I could be so bold, in the field of Harry Potter.
4: Yeah, Wes, I mean, it's an honor to be on this episode. I've been looking forward to doing a Harry Potter episode. I've really been trying to get you guys to do one for, you know, ever since we started this. So I'm so excited to be on here tonight to talk about my favorite movie series, my favorite book series, and truly uh, to get the honor that I think you were just going to say it, and if you weren't, I'm just going to take it which is to become, you know, just real quick before I, I take the honor, Wes, you know, you're our horror movie guy here. You are the horror movie expert on Real Talk. We have a resident horror movie expert. We have Zach Simpson, who is our Saw expert, resident <laughs> Saw expert. So now it's time to have a Harry Potter resident expert. And I am honored to take that crown and to become the now right. Harry Potter resident expert. It is truly an honor, and I can't think of anything I I really wanted more, and honestly deserve more in a lot of ways.
1: That's where I was going. That's where I was going with it.
4: Great, yeah. So thank you so much, guys, and I really appreciate it. I'm not going to let you all down this episode talking about Harry Potter.
3: Now, what the actual crap is going on? If we didn't have Kyle on here, I would have actually cussed. My mind is exploding right now. You're the ultimate Harry Potter fan? Hold on. A fat resume? If anybody has a fat resume of Harry Potter, I've read all the books except for number five. It was a failure of mine. It was an overlap. But I've read multiple of the books twice. I've read book one twice, book two twice, book six, and book seven twice. I've read the play. I've seen the play in New York. I read the play again so because we only got to see the second half of the play in New York because it's a, like a seven hour play. So I had to recap the first half for my wife. I went to freaking Harry Potter land on my dang honeymoon and I took you, T Man. You're the reason to, you, that I got to go to Harry Potter land. I have butter beans. I, all my kids have wands. I've been to Universal. Butter beans. <laughs> what? I have butter, or every every flavor beans. Sorry, I combined butter beer and every flavor beer beans into one thing because I'm so Harry Potter. It's out of friggin' control. And you what? you're the Harry Potter fan.
4: Yes, Gabe. Here's the thing. Everything you just said. What you don't realize is that you are Gilroy Lockhart. You all that stuff you stole from me. Stole you from are you. not the real Harry Potter fan. I am, and everybody knows <laughs> it. I'm taking it back. And now everybody truly does know um, that I am the Harry Potter expert at Real Talk. I,
0: How
2: I, many I'm, Harry Potter pieces of clothing do you both own?
3: I own, I own two. I'm, I can go get my um, three. Sure, I own three. That's that. I knew you were going to do that.
2: <laughs> I think I own like seven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might
2: so be. Uh, that's dedication.
0: That's
2: and how many of you own the the book that weighs about 50 pounds that is called Harry Potter Page to Screen, The Complete Filmmaking Journey? I,
1: I have one signed by uh, J.K.,
0: Oh my gosh. That's made up. Hey, there hey, you are. Okay. That's this stuff the best is.
2: and I
1: are real
3: Harry Potter experts on here. We're not going to go down this. I, <laughs> I'm not going to go down this wormhole. I do have the clue game. I have lots of things that are Harry Potter, but I'm not spiraling. I am a little bit. But all I'm going to say is I am the one who freaking talked you into reading the last two books, Tommy. <laughs> and you thanked me for it. And I saw a little tear down your
1: eye while you're reading the last book. And I did that for you. I find it creepy that Gabe watched you read that entire book. It was really enjoyable for me. The entire
3: thing. (laughs) He just sat in the corner (laughs) while I read it.
2: (laughs) All right, Gabe, you win.
3: (laughs) We're completely off the rails here. Let's bring in our guest. uh, That
1: will never come back again. (laughs) Well, I was, even before that, I mean, she's, she, I like how she's getting in there and, you know, she's like, wait a second. Now I'm, I'm a mega Harry Potter fan too, (laughs) but I was going to ask T-Man in his wizardry, had he ever ran straight into a train station platform and been transported into another world?
4: No, I have done that though. But when I ran straight
1: into it, I got a concussion. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I figured, well, Gabe. I tried it. What about you? That this kid kind of we might find out who's a better Harry Potter fan.
3: I I, I haven't attempted that. You know, okay. I run into enough walls and things without, yeah, without like. That. Purposely thinking that I can do magic, even though I can do magic, but that's different.
1: Thus far, we've determined that T-Man is a wizard. Gabe and I are muggles. And for those what? of you who don't know what I'm referring to, muggle is a made-up term from Harry Potter that refers to a person who lacks any sort of magical ability. And, you know, I was thinking we should come up with a term to refer to people who lack any sort of podcasting ability, much like ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, any thoughts on that, Gabe? I, it it seems like something you would be good at is to come up with a some kind of term that talks about our lack of podcasting skills. Throwing me completely
3: off the wet rails, Wes. Like this, you're continuing to talk about T-Man being this ultimate. If anything, I would call him an ookie, since I said the word spooky and just said ookie. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> people that can't podcast are ookies, but I. I I'm so off the rails and
1: angry right now. You couldn't think. You couldn't
3: I think. Can't I'm, think.
1: I'm sorry. I was thinking maybe like Puggle. Since it's oh, podcasting. That's exactly what my mind
0: was. That's what I was
1: thinking.
4: Yeah, Luggle or something, a playoff Muggle.
0: was
1: better than what I said. So we're going to go with Puggles. Okay, so real talk from now. For, we're Puggles. Maybe one day we'll we'll craft that podcasting ability and we'll we'll be good to go. But, again, enough of all this nonsensical intro we actually have a guest we're very excited to have here. I think she is still here. Yes. Yes. She has not left. I see her bubble here on Skype. So that is good. Our guest tonight is friend of the show and Harry Potter super fan Kyle McDougal. Kyle, thank you so much for agreeing to join us and talk some Harry Potter tonight.
2: You know, it's great to be here. Um I th- I think I think where Gabe was going in the beginning. Of the uh, cast tonight by saying that you complete him. I think we're going to complete each other when it comes to talking about Harry Potter. So I don't, I don't think we should have a competition. That was
3: mm-hmm. enough of a Potter off for the whole episode, I feel like.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need to compare Patronuses or anything. Um, <laughs> well, I have a confession we'll to make um coming into the podcast. I did not jump on the Harry Potter bandwagon right when it started because I was, uh, I don't want to throw my church under the bus at the time, but I was told that Harry Potter was, you know, witchcraft and uh, promoting the devil's work and things like that. So I didn't read or see any of the movies until later. I think I was maybe a senior in high school or a freshman in college, um, which was only a couple years after the movie came out. But Once I watched it, I fell in love with it because it made me cry. It made me laugh. It made me extremely happy. um, And it made me think. And I loved every minute of it. So once I saw the first movie, I had to read all the books. And then it just went on from there. So I am grateful to be here to talk about one of my favorite things.
3: It's okay, Kyle. This is a safe space where you can can say things like that.
1: Well, Kyle, you and your husband Chris talk our, uh, listen to our show uh, frequently, and we really appreciate the support you guys have really given us from from day one. And I, I am being sincere about that. Again, I'm just I'm also at the same point in time trying you know to get us to all hug and set aside our our differences <laughs> a little bit as well. With that, I'll try to get there. <laughs> so let let's kick the episode off tonight. Well, we already kind of did, but I meant really more into like what we're trying to accomplish with Harry Potter. So, audience, over the next several years, we'll be tackling all of the films in the Harry Potter franchise. So tonight, we will have some discussions about the franchise in general, but we'll also be focusing heavily on the Sorcerer's Stone. And since this is our first episode, first year covering Harry Potter... I think we need to get into our wizard houses to really make this official. So we're going to transport real talk to the great hall in Hogwarts where our resident sorting hat, Kyle, is going to put us into our houses. And these are the houses we're all going to be in throughout our Harry Potter coverage. So this is this is a big moment. I'm sweating. I'm going to take my hoodie off because I'm just so anxious to see which house I'm going to be in. Kyle, take it away.
2: All right, students. Before you can take your seats, you will be sorted into your houses. They are Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Your house will be like your family. When mm-hmm. I call your name, please come forward. <laughs> Gabe, movie buddy Conway.
3: Not Slytherin. Not Slytherin.
2: <laughs> hmm. Difficult. Very <laughs> difficult. Difficult. Plenty of dedication and loyalty, I see. A thirst to prove that the force awakens is better than Dune. Ooh. Ooh. Ugh. Better this is,
0: be this is, the,
3: this is the first
0: Hufflepuff.
3: That, uh, oh I, I figured I was Hufflepuff. This was the first creature that sat on my brain and said this is tough. Like to figure out. Actually, that's not true. I'm so excited. I love Hufflepuff.
2: Uh, next up, we have T-Man.
3: Yes, um, I'm here.
2: This is a good one. <laughs> this is very difficult. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Ravenhaired. Wait, Ravenclaw?
4: Ravenclaw. Okay, yeah, I like yeah. it.
2: A yeah. Um, little background on that. I was a little disappointed that in a text thread with my husband, you called it Ravenhaired.
4: Oh, Mr. I'm, I'm the number
2: one Harry Potter fan ever. Well,
4: you know that. Well, that was really no. That was really testing you all to make sure oh, you all okay. knew. Okay. Making sure that you Are all
3: you knew.
2: Sure you Slytherin. <laughs> some cunning in there. Um, <laughs>
3: this
1: is a strict. This is a tough hat.
2: Wes <laughs> yeah. Jones.
1: Uh, I'll. I'll uh, it's. I'll do like team and roll call here.
2: All right, then. <laughs> Right, he likes those horror movies.
0: Oh.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: good
2: one. He's ambitious, determined.
0: Oh, I... Yes.
2: Resourceful. Right. Slytherin.
0: Oh,
4: oh man, I'm a villain. I, I knew it. I oh, knew it. This, I knew this I has was perfectly, to... honestly.
2: Yes, it is perfect. Of course it is, because I'm doing it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's and then. A good hat. I mean, not to pick my own, but based on all the Harry Potter quizzes I've taken, I am also in Ravenclaw. Nice. And our most popular, well-known Ravenclaw is none other than Luna Lovegood, who my cat is named after. So there.
4: Right, Luna. Great character.
3: Um, we don't have any Gryffindors. Shouldn't you be in Gryffindor, Mr. Hat? No. Okay.
2: I was told it did not have to be even. No. You distribute it.
1: Wherever it should be true. Yeah, it should be true to who I'm we sure. are. Yeah. So we're none of us are teachers' pets. None of us are the heroes of the the movie, and I think that that uh, that fits well. And uh, cool. I'm here sitting around my horror movies and my dark magic, and uh, <laughs> I'm a villain. So this is great. This is great.
4: <laughs> it's all right. Only Voldemort was Slytherin. I mean, only the greatest villain of all time. You know, no no big deal.
2: Also, one of the major heroes of our complete Harry Potter story was a Slytherin. So just the yeah, end.
3: who? Snape
2: overrated.
3: Snape. Snape. And there's there's a wonderful cutscene at the that at the end where um oh no, that's in the play where he says, you know, he's walking off to I don't want to ruin it for you guys. You guys might yeah. want to read the play. Oh, okay. Yeah, spoiler Sorry. warning. <laughs> spoiler, ju- that would be a giant spoiler warning, so never mind. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me just tell you the end of the play. Of the play, which takes place after all the books. <laughs> Well, Kyle, if you want, if uh, you would just give the audience just an introduction to the Harry Potter franchise. And I'm sure most of our audience, of course, has either read the books or seen the movie. But basically, just set the tone for the the rest of the episode. And just from your perspective, just a little overview of the franchise.
2: Well, I think it's really important um, to mention how our story begins. And it is with tragedy, unfortunately. Young Harry is left orphaned and forced to go live with his muggle relatives who are terrible people. But he is... Already being cared for, and he is dropped off by one of our main characters, uh, Dumbledore, who is the headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, and we also meet Professor McGonagall and Hagrid, who are some people that we're going to get to know a lot better throughout all the books and all the movies. What I love about each one of these books and movies is that there's a rhythm to them. And if you are a fan, or even if you're not, and you want to start watching or reading now, um, this is just something that you can look for. It doesn't really give anything away, but um, the movies and the books kind of open the same way with Harry at his relative's house. um, And there's some kind of challenge for him to get back to school. Even in this first movie, he's finding, you know, he's getting his letter, um, but he's not allowed to open it. Uh, then they all the owls come and they're trying to get to him and he can't so finally Hagrid has to track him down and give him his letter and and then they end up on the train which is always very exciting because you know it's this beautiful train through the Scottish countryside and he gets introduced to his what who who will be his best friends um, who will be there with him for all times and through every hard thing he goes through and I think What's really wonderful about these books um, and these movies is that he's such a relatable character, and I think everybody in this franchise is a relatable character. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of lost. My, I don't know where I'm going with any of this.
1: <laughs> well, you're you're setting the story up, so no, you're doing a good <laughs> job.
3: Yeah, that was perfect until the end, and then and that's how <laughs> I I end every statement. I have no idea Sorry. where I'm going with. It. <laughs> it was good
1: until the train came off the track so
3: yes
2: um so yeah they they're on the train they get to school um there's always this introduction of a new professor who will play some major role in the story whether good or bad one thing that i love is that the characters in the movies are the same all the actors grow with the movies and i think that's really important because um, it shows that, you know, they have range. It gets us, we get to know them. We we get to love them. Um, we get to root for them or root against them, depending on who they are. I think that's a, a lot of what life is like. It's like Harry, Ron and Hermione are our friends and they go through these difficult things and they move through it and they overcome it. And it's that, it's that story of good overcoming bad. And that's the story that we like to hear and see.
1: I think that was a great introduction to the to the the franchise as a whole and to the story. And of course you can't talk about Harry Potter films without backing up and talking a little bit about the novel. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, but before we really get going with some of our other discussion topics, I wanted to mention a couple of things and if you if anybody has any thoughts, please interject. But first, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was Rawlings debut novel and she wrote it between 1990 and 1995 and I wanted to read this quote from her she said one weekend after flat hunting I took a train back to London on my own and the idea for Harry Potter fell into my head a scrawny little black haired by spectacled boy Became more and more of a wizard to me, and I began to write *Philosopher's Stone* that very evening. And of course, we all the, the book it went through a lot of iterations over the years, but the story really changed after the death of Rowling's mother, where she transformed her own anguish into the orphan character Harry. And I think that's where some of those those uh, emotional strings that are pulled at come in, and it really Rounded out Harry the character, and then we fast forward a couple of years, and Rowling had gotten the second book published, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, in the summer of 1998, and then in October of that same year, Warner Brothers purchased the film rights for, for the first two novels for a seven figure sum, and so the rest is pretty much history. But I wanted to share this with you, and I don't, y- y'all probably know this, the audience may know this. I did not know this, and it honestly blew my mind. About the novel itself, The Philosopher's Stone is now the number two best-selling novel of all time. Of all time, number two. It's got 120 million cop- copies of the book sold. The number one best-selling book, Gabe, can you guess it? Uh, maybe the seventh book of Harry Potter. It's The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Ah, going to say that was going to be up there. Yeah, it it's actually it's the best-selling novel of all time as the Hobbit published in 1937 60 years prior yeah. to the philosopher's stone. I think I think Harry Potter's going to beat it. Yeah, it, it definitely will. And think about this, this is this is where I got so amazed. The rest of the top 5 were published in 1943, the 18th century in 1939 so that really puts into perspective just how big this series is for a recent novel to already be the second best-selling novel ever I think real quick I mean I
4: think the other books in her series are right there like in the top 20 also like all of these are like the the number the book sales are just
1: mind-blowing mm-hmm I I just that's what was so amazing to me I just couldn't believe it and I was looking at the rest of the list and I was like 1937 1940 I was like oh my gosh they're of course all 60 70 200 years old you know and you've you've got this book that was 20 you know a little over 20 years ago that that she wrote it and it's already number two so I was that really and truly for the first time put into perspective how big Harry Potter is to me
2: it's still very popular there are I work with a lot of children and youth, and they are still obsessed. Like, if if I want to get in with a kid, I start talking about Harry Potter, and they are right there. They are with me. What house you in? What's your Patronus? You know, it's just like yeah. it, it's just the best way to nerd out right now. Kyle,
4: like, tell them you know a Harry Potter expert. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> yes, man,
2: he
3: man. <laughs> no, no, there ain't gonna be no Gabe. Be like this guy don't know nothing. We promised we would not Potter off anymore, Tommy. Sorry, but I I do have a couple (laughs) of things real quick. Wes, is this where is is it okay to go ahead and get into the the question that I asked earlier? Because all we do is talk about movies. Are these the ultimate stories of our time? Because I was asking Tommy and Wes this like I think in my dad's generation, my dad was so pumped when the Hobbit came out uh, or, you, you know, or the Lord of the Rings movies came out. I remember he. Went and saw several of them with us because he was like wanting to see it, and and even in high school when I told him I was reading The Hobbit, he was like he was like oh you're gonna love that book, and I was like and and I did I, I remember really enjoying that book, but you know his generation tried to pass it down to our you know kind of our generation that and Star Wars you know we were ta- me and Tommy were talking about how like Gen X loved Star Wars and even though that that's not it's not the same exact genre I think sci-fi is a spinoff of uh, fantasy. But anyway, but Star Wars was passed down to our generation and we loved it just as much as those people loved it in the movie theater. And now, like Kyle's saying, you know, you want to get in? You, you're, you talk Harry Potter. I mean, because even though I feel like Harry Potter was the story of our generation, the books, the movies that came out during our time, we passed those that love down to our kids.
1: Well, I think the numbers that I just read, I think, just prove that. I I, I think that they they have to be. I I think everything else pales in comparison.
4: It definitely is. I mean, I think you make a good comparison, Gabe, between Lord of the Rings, which is, you know, back in the 30s and the 40s after that. Then you go into Star Wars and now you have Harry Potter. They're all what's interesting, really, though, if you think about it, is they all are in that fantasy sci-fi genre. So it's they're all about transporting you to another world. Interesting to think about how all these stories, people want to be transported. They want to be taken out of their everyday world, their everyday life into a new, something totally different, something totally new. And what Harry Potter does, here's where I think Harry Potter does it better than even Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. Like Lord of the Rings, which is great. But it it takes place like in a truly a fantasy world, you know, back in the medieval ages, almost Star Wars, uh, which is also great, except for The Force Awakens um, and also (laughs) Rise of Skywalker. Those aren't great at all. Um, That's a totally, you know, another galaxy far, far away. But Harry Potter takes place in our world, our time. It's more relatable in that sense. Like people know it like it takes place in England they see London. Yeah. You go into these magical realms a little bit, but it's still very relatable. And I think that's the key or one of the keys to Harry Potter is that it is so relatable more so than maybe typical fantasy, even people that may not love sci-fi or fantasy, I think they can get into Harry Potter easier, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to go looking for like um, a troll on a side in the mountain. That's going to turn into stone when the sun comes up, but I, I feel like there's this this hope and this mystery in Harry Potter that has me looking for the magic that could be out there somewhere. You know, like it's not, it doesn't have to be a spell or something, wow. I don't know, mind-blowing, but just, it. It. I think it just gives us hope that there's there's magic out there, no matter what that looks like, and that being different is okay, and that there's a group of people that are going to love you if you are different, because Harry found those people. Uh, when he figured out that he could do magic, that was his difference. So, yeah, I think it gives a lot of kids today um, something to cling to for sure.
3: Colin, Harry, or Colin, Harry, Kyle and T-Man, you were right on
1: <laughs> because. Gabe thinks Harry Potter's on here with us now.
3: Gabe thinks <laughs> Harry Potter's here. But no, I always say, and, and T-Man took my thing, but we love <laughs> to be transported to other worlds like i don't know what it is about it but that's what harry potter did it made it our world that we're trying and and kyle then seconded what we all wish we could do a little magic you know life's hard like there are moments you know all of us have moments when life is hard and we all wish we could just do a little bit of magic and this is the ultimate transportation and not only can you transport there by being in the novels It has created the ultimate transportation in real life. You can go to Universal Studios and live in this world. You can buy every flavor beans, and we had a game with them last Christmas, and I got an earwax bean, just like Dumbledore gets. You know, it was disgusting. But you can literally, you can get wands. You can transport your life, or you can just watch the 12 hours of movies or whatever it is and transport your life into Harry Potter, and I think that's what's so appealing about it, and it is what I love the most in film, so that's why these are so endearing to me.
2: So, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the right spot for this story, but um, I went to the Wizarding World. I don't know if you guys have all been there, but at Ollivanders, there's, like, this staging area where they hold you until they take, like, a group of people into the actual wand shop. There's a character there talking to you and trying to basically figure out who the biggest fan is um, that is going to be in the group of people going in, and... I, there was this spiky 10 or 11 year old girl who was there with her mom and the the actor was like you know which harry potter books your favorite and she's like i haven't read them and he's like well what movie's your favorite and she's like i haven't seen any of them and i was just staring at her probably and i, I wanted to be like why are you here <laughs> And uh, the, so the, this character looks at me and my two friends and um he's like so uh where are you guys from and we were all three from different states and we were there for a conference. I'm in ministry. So we were like, yeah, we're here for a ministry conference. And he was like, oh, like the Ministry of Magic? And I was like, yes, totally. And <laughs> and then we just kept, we had this back and forth about the Ministry of Magic and what we did. And, all. and I got to go in to Ollivander's and I got chosen to receive the wand. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what top two things in my life would probably be my wedding day and my child being born and this is probably number three
0: (laughs) 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 because it was so
2: magical (laughs) like you got to test the wand just like harry did um so you had three different wands and then when you're given that last wand that the air blows up around you just like it did on him there's light there's music and then ollivander's telling you all about your wand and what it means and what's in it and what it's made of and I mean, it was worth every penny that I spent to go to that park just for that five minutes of my life.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So,
2: it brings the magic to life. It really does.
4: And you're right. The Wizarding World. I know Gabe and I have been there. We went there together. It is on my really honeymoon. awesome. On your honeymoon. Yeah.
0: Your honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. What? What? Doing
3: Why your was honeymoon? I there? <laughs> Why did I incorporate T-Man into my honeymoon? What does that say about me? <laughs> There's a lot of questions (laughs) that I have in my life when we actually had an off-the-air argument about who the ultimate wizard was, me or Tommy. And I said to him, I said, you know, one thing a lot of you guys don't know is I looked through my wife's movies and I noticed that she had Harry Potter. And then that's when I knew that it was okay to marry her. And I was like, hold on, what does that say about me? That's when you knew she was the one. That's when I knew. Everybody looks through like their (laughs) significant other's movies to tell if they're they're the one, right? That's how you Uh, tell, right, Wes?
1: Right, and I don't want to hear anybody say anything negative about the horror convention people anymore after all these stories that I'm hearing on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mega We want to talk about people dedicated. The Potterheads are are dedicated. Hey, listeners, if you've been listening to our recent episodes, you've been hearing about the epic sci-fi book series Shadowed Stars by author Stephen Couts. We're so excited to have Steven as a partner of Real Talk A Movie podcast because Shadowed Stars incorporates all the aspects of storytelling that most of us movie fans love. As the movie buddy always says, he likes when the story transports the audience to a different world, and that's exactly what Steven is doing with the book series. Shadowed Stars is an epic science fiction series, but as we learned on our recent interview series episode with Steven, he likes to incorporate other genres into his books, such as romance horror, action, and even westerns, which I love that approach. Now, I do want to caution that Shadowed Stars is for a mature audience, so I don't recommend tucking the kids into bed while reading chapters from the book. It being for a mature audience is another aspect that I think is very unique, as we normally don't get that with other sci-fi epics. Steven has eight numbered books planned in the series, the odd-numbered books will focus on one line of characters, the even-numbered books will focus on another line of characters with some cameos mixed in. This helps to keep the stories fresh and the character arcs forming over the entire series. Listeners, I can't encourage you enough to check out Shadowed Stars. Book 1 is available now and so is Book 2, Shadowed Stars: The Reign of the Black Guard. Steven is hopeful that Book 3 will be available by the end of 2021. Now, where can you purchase these books? Book one and two, again, available now. Head over to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, iTunes, you name it. For more information on Shadowed Stars and author Stephen Couts, visit ShadowedStarsBooks.com. One of the things that stuck out to me because I, I'm, a, I'm a casual, I enjoyed the series. Uh, I'm learning more about it, I'm watching back through the series for the second time for this podcast. And I enjoyed the movie, like, but it's nothing that I'm just, like, over the top crazy about. But the one thing that keeps sticking out is that whenever a person reads the book for the first time, it, like, changes something in them. And so I wanted to ask you three who have read the novel, what was your experience reading the novel for the first time? Like, once you got to the end, was it... Because all of us, I believe, heard all about how great it was and all this before you ever sat down to read it. Did it live up to expectations? Like, what were your thoughts uh, on the novel when, once you got through with it?
3: So I, I did it in in like a bad order because I started with, no, I started with five. The only one I haven't read is Gobbler Fire is four. I started with five because a buddy of mine had it at, at, at uh, when I was lifeguarding. And he was like, you got to read these. And I was like, man, I don't know if I really want to read them. I've seen the movies. And he's like, no, you've got to read the book. So I started with five, and then I took a break, and then I read six and seven, which six and seven are probably – and and people judge me. But I think they're two of the best books I've ever read. Uh, the Half-Blood Prince is probably one of my all-time favorite books, but then the, the 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 second one's amazing. Now, when you go back and read the first ones, like they, they're not really life-changing. Honestly, they're geared more toward kids, and so what happened mm-hmm. when I did it, I read five through seven, and then when I bat, went back and I read one through, um, I never read four, I read one and through three, they kind of explain the scene or, or something happens and then they explain it a little further. So it's kind of annoying. Like everything happens twice, but they're still really good. It's just more geared towards a child. So they're harder to read at the age that I read them. But if I would have read them during the ages, I think I would have loved them a lot more. But mm. it, like, I mean, six is my all time favorite book. Uh, Half-Blood Prince.
2: Yeah. Six is my favorite book too. Um, after I read the first book though, I, I didn't stop. <laughs> Um, I just kept going through all of them. Um, I think I had seen the first four movies when I started reading the first book. Mm. So I kind of knew what was going to happen, but it was really exciting to me just to, to read um, the things in the books that aren't in the movies and then to be a little bit mad about why they weren't in the movies. Um, and then to be very critical of the sixth movie when it came out yes. <laughs> because of loving the sixth book and not, uh, it not including everything that I thought it should include, um, but I'm not a director or a, uh, a movie producer, so that's okay. Um, but they didn't
1: consult you, right?
2: <laughs> right, they did not. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I,
3: while reading the book, calls like, "How are they going to do the Snape scenes and the flashbacks?" and we knew it couldn't have been done, but they—I d- I think they did as good as they could.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still love it. Like, I love the movies in a different way than I love the books. Um, but I, I did just recently read the first book again while I was pregnant, um, with, I have a one-year-old Jacob and he, uh, He's a COVID baby. He's born during COVID, so we sat at home a lot while I was pregnant, and I read a chapter to him a day, so he would get used to my voice. And of course, I chose Harry Potter because that's what his nursery is decorated in. Um, <laughs> that lucky is man. the life he's going to live. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's it's important to me that he he doesn't have to like them. That's his own choice, but it's important to me that he at least hears them once.
3: Now, your husband isn't that big of a fan of Harry Potter. Does
1: he care about any of this going on? Does that cause some conflicts around the household?
2: Well, he said the nursery was my domain, so I got to choose what I wanted, even though I know he wanted me to choose UK. But whatever. Um, (laughs) Basketball (laughs) over Harry Potter? No. Uh, He is not a (laughs) fan. But I will tell you that when he was wooing me while dating, he did use Harry Potter to his advantage Mm. um he actually went to a midnight showing of the sixth movie with me to prove that he loved me uh he didn't have to go like he really didn't i would have been fine without him but
3: uh yeah harry potter's all you need kyle i know
2: right (laughs) we had our costumes on and everything i'm pretty sure he hated every minute of it but um
3: i did not know this
2: yeah it was good times but he, he he was proving that he was in he was committed so, did he wear
1: a costume?
2: No, of course not. Oh, he wore, dang. I, a I was not. really
1: hoping to, to be them. able to use that against them. Okay. <laughs> T right. man, what about you? Did you have you read the first novel? Did you ever get around to it? No, my see, I think I'm a little older. Yeah, tell
3: us, Tommy, how did you get how did you get into reading
0: <laughs> your your Harry Potter <laughs> real super story. fan this stuff is on the fun. line?
4: Oh man. Well, here's a good thing is we've already we can't go back on my Harry Potter. Uh, expertise you know (laughs) my name so that's already done so whatever i say going forward won't hurt it but so i'm a little older than when the books came out so i was a little i didn't catch it on the first go and i started watching the movies i think it was like right when i came out of high school when they first started uh premiering and i really liked them and i was like well even though i know the books are coming out i'll just stick with the movies so i stuck with the movies i liked them stuck with them. And then I remember Gabe and I were living together at the time, and we went and saw Order of the Phoenix, and we really liked it. And I still remember Gabe being like, I can't wait anymore. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't <laughs> wait anymore? He's like, I got to read. I got to find out what happens.
0: I'm like, okay, cool.
4: And he gets Half-Blood Prince, and he's like, "He, you finish it like record time, and you're like, you got to read it. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was literally one night. You're I like
3: literally you... w- stayed up until eight a.m. one night. I started reading at one and stayed up till eight a.m.
4: Yeah, you're yeah, I think I remember that now. Uh, was that the time you actually left a bar to go read it?
3: Yes, <laughs> I, we were out at a bar. I was I, people were drinking and having a good time. I was like, I'm not having a good time here. I know where I would have a good time in my bed reading Harry Potter, and that's what I did. <laughs> so you went back, you finished it. You're like. You've got to read it. It is better than the
4: movies. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I read it fast, loved Half Blood Prince. And that was right when Deadly Halls was coming out soon, too. Gabe bought that. And then after he read it, I read that one, too. And everybody's right. The books are way better than the movies, even though I really love the movies, too reading the books makes you truly love harry potter the series and even though i've only read the last two i still consider myself a big fan and i truly love those last two books they're
1: definitely two of my favorite books i've read awesome i think a lot of the audience that have read the books can kind of identify with what you're talking about so that's why i wanted to ask everybody about your experience with the books because that's the reaction it's always the the book this the book that the movies are great but i love the books so
3: and that always annoys me, me. when you're when, when you go see a movie and there's that person the book was so much better it's like they're all like they're all like proper well the book was better and i know you haven't seen it but and and then i and i feel and i became that person
1: with harry potter that's okay yeah it's all right everybody will forgive you for it this yeah. time so the last question that that i have and then we'll, we'll get into talking a little bit about sorcerer's stone and we, we covered this just a little bit earlier, but I want to ask the panel here a more direct question around it. It's around the appeal of Harry Potter. We've already thrown out stuff like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, but I'm curious in all of your opinions, what makes these stories, these movies so universally beloved? Yes, there are a lot of other series that are universally beloved, but in my opinion, there's something about these three series that are just like in the stratosphere, and there's really not much else that comes close to it. It's appealing to kids and adults. We know that. But what is the common denominator with these stories that makes these franchises so insanely popular?
2: I think it's the depth. I I think... You get to know these characters. I mean, you're going to get to know characters if there's seven books. Like, I, I've i read five of the eight Outlander books, and there's depth there, but it, it doesn't appeal to a wide range like Harry Potter does. Um, it's clearly written more for women, uh, but Harry Potter is... I, I mean, I think it's for everyone. Like, I, I can read it to my child... And he doesn't know what I'm saying, but I, I I don't know. It's just it's moving, it's um it's joy filled, it's 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 good overcoming evil. It, it it's the story that we want in our lives, right? We know there's gonna be tragedy and grief and all the hard things, but in the end there's love and hope and good wins.
1: And do you feel that those same principles that you're talking about? apply to Lord of the Rings and star Wars as well, because again, that's what I'm talking about are all three of those franchises are like on this, this plateau that's above all these other major franchises.
4: Well, I think they're all, like you said, they're all the good versus evil, you Mm -hmm. know, that we all love in those stories, but going back to the Harry Potter, why that's so successful. I think it's a, I think it's really kind of like a perfect storm, you know, JK Rowling, is a genius in this way. She, it's not just one thing. You can't just say there's one reason why Harry Potter is so immensely popular. I think she just hit it out of the ballpark in every way. You know, she had the perfect story with a coming of age with each book would cover one year. You have the good versus evil. You have the world that we talked about earlier, the fantastical world, but is also very relatable. You had great characters that people love great side characters i mean it's like everything is amazing that she did like she didn't do anything wrong which is so hard to, and here's another thing she didn't do wrong she stuck the landing you know there's so many stories that start out really good um star wars and then gradually just kind of you know just isn't as good as it, as it was in the beginning harry potter you could argue gets better each book and then you know the last two are amazing,
3: so Harry, Pot- uh, Harry Potter. You're right, Tommy. Stuck the stuck the landing <laughs> harder than Breaking Bad,
4: right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, how many great like like you said, Wes? You know, just on a another d- plateau of like the best pop culture stuff. Truly can stick the landing. Hardly anything anymore, honestly. But mm-hmm. Harry Potter did, and even with all of the pressure J.K. Rowling faced, you know, just the, I mean, think of how popular those were and for her to stick the landing like that is
3: truly amazing. And like I said, it deserves, she deserves all the credit for that. We'll point that out because that can't be done a lot. Like George R.R. Martin just froze. He did he can't even write books anymore. It he's can't, like, no, hey, he doesn't he gave know up. How to write. He yeah. doesn't even, he's not <laughs> he's even like, going to finish him because no. he, he, there's too much to live up to, but I mean, it has can't to be do it. Off, and, and, you know, I controversially, you know, Somewhat like the ending of Game of Thrones, it's semi. It's not. It's not all the way. Um, but then there's people that you know. There's there's tons of series that just can't stick the landing. Some people think Lost didn't stick the landing, but Tommy loves the Lost landing stick. But I this, do like that
4: one. love it. Yeah. This
3: this is not a controversial landing stick. She stuck the landing. But I did want to say it doesn't. You asked the question, what's so enduring about Harry Potter? And I'm gonna t- give you my short like answer I it doesn't make sense to me and 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 you're like well how do you have that answer well like when I heard of the series Harry Potter I'm like why are so many people like this I mean this is like I'm into the fantasy genre I'm into the sci-fi genre and there's tons of good stuff like I've watched Merlin the series nobody else is gonna watch that crap I've watched like all this like crazy fantasy stuff that nobody cares about and this sticks and I didn't underst- you know, I didn't understand why. But I'll tell you why I think some of these do stick. And I always think is it's what T-Man said, kind of it reverts back to the author. Like the reason Lord of the Rings stuck is J.R. Tolkien is a genius, and that's the reason that that stuck. The reason, you know, I hate to say this, but Star Wars stuck is it had a genius involved in it, and he couldn't ever do anything after that. But he did, used all they, his genius up, used all of his genius up, but he created a great world and a great story that had, that had foreshadowing that had things that were like intertwined. And in this case, JK Rowling is a genius. You know, she created a world that's and stuck the landing. So that's not, well, she had
1: that landing stick you kept, you kept talking about. Uh, but, it,
3: uh, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> let me, let me give you guys two things real quick. And if you have any follow-ups, that's cool. And then we can move on. But I was sitting there thinking about it, and I didn't steal that f- from anyone. I was just thinking. I was like, "What? Is, what is the deal with these three franchises?" Like, I just like I like all three of them. I'm just wondering, like, wh- what is the universal appeal? And I, I told you know everybody that I would ask that question on tonight's episode. But then this afternoon, I was like, I'm just let me just do a little research. Let me see what else is out there. And I found two things that I really liked, and I wanted to share those with you. I didn't come up with this, so I don't want to get the credit for that. You can actually read it on Vox. But two things. um, The first one, of course, like you're talking about with Harry Potter, it is the book itself and the story. And it says the Harry Potter books combine the intricate plotting of mystery with the sweep and scope of epic fantasy and the intimacy and character development of a classic boarding school narrative the puzzle box mystery plotting keeps the pages turning forward the fantastic mythology gives the world scope and magic and joy and the boarding school structure makes the characters warm familiar charming And it also makes their eventual death for some and trauma for for all's deeply affecting. And I thought that was neat because I heard some of that in what y'all were saying as you were describing the Harry Potter story. But this is what I want to give you to think about. And I think y'all might have some follow ups here. The other reason that Harry Potter has become so universally beloved is that it encompasses web 2.0 and the geek and nerd culture and what i mean by that is that people generally didn't read the harry potter books in isolation they wanted to talk about it with their friends and then find more friends who loved the book as much as they did and that pattern which is like that with stories for all ages i'm sure but this pattern coincided with the rise of web 2.0 And that is an increasingly interactive and social Internet. Think about it. Harry Potter followed the rise of the Internet in socially connecting and message boards and chat rooms and all that. And as more Harry Potter fans became active online, they made discussion of young adult fiction, fantasy and sci-fi seem common. At that time, it was a bold concept, because think about it. In, when I was in high school in the early 2000s, geek culture was seen as like an immature hobby. You know, that was people that, you know, didn't have a lot of friends or weren't the cool kids or whatever, although they were probably really watching it at home. They just weren't talking about it. But then Web 2.0, people started finding one another And it just grew and grew and grew. So I really wanted to throw that out there because I figured y'all would have some some follow ups or something to say with that.
3: I believe it. I mean, I was on the basketball team at the time and I loved Harry Potter. I was like, but I didn't talk about it. I was like, you know, I love Harry Potter. Um, You know, if they would ask. But, you know, I was I was a closet Harry Potter fan, just like I was a closet Xena, you know, Princess Warrior fan.
4: (laughs) I think it it is bigger than Harry Potter, though. I think that this is just the same story that we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit, I think, at this point. Just the rise of so-called nerd culture in general. I mean, you can trace that back to Star Wars Mm -hmm. through the 80s, through the 90s, through Lord of the Rings, through Harry Potter. I think all of that is part of the same storyline into now comic books dominating Hollywood. So I think, yeah, there is truth to that, but I think it's bigger than just... Harry Potter per se i think it's
3: just the nerd culture has now become the dominant culture. Yeah, and it's kind of cool how it happened because it went from like it was uncool and to even when we were kids it was it was, you know, slightly cool to now it's like t-shirts like people wearing shirts it's like out there like you, being a nerd is cool. What's happened basically is the Gen X generation grew
4: up on Star Wars that was their prime entertainment they grew up through the 80s and 90s had children the yo- the younger baby boomers that had children so this has become what we've known throughout our whole lives and this goes to what we've talked about on here you know why are movies dominated by comic books why are movies dominated by all of this so called comic book or nerd culture well because it's been the pop you know dominant thing that people have grown up with for the past 40 years now and so that's why now this is the cult, the culture at large.
2: So in high school, I was um, I was not popular, to put it nicely. Uh, I was in the band, so I was a band <laughs> geek.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I was a nerd, and liking Harry Potter was not cool then. Like Gabe you were said, popular to us. I I love Harry Potter, and I have loved Harry Potter for many years. In my 28th birthday, I had a Harry Potter themed. Costume party. Um, we actually uh, played a game nice. called Potions, where everyone had to make their own potion. Which that's was a party installed. I want
3: to go to. You're there was a
2: snitch hidden in the house. It was it was amazing. We did sorting. We played Harry Potter. Seen it. It was it was great. And I posted pictures on Facebook, of course. And at my, I think it was my 10 year high school reunion, a girl came up to me and she was like. She's like, oh my gosh, you just had a Harry Potter birthday party. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, that's so cool. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) And and, I mean, literally in high school, this girl never spoke to me. And she was so thrilled that I had had this party about this very nerdy thing. And I was like, oh, so it's like, okay, to like Harry (laughs) Potter now. (laughs) I I mean, it, it was just. I don't know. It was it is
4: okay now. Yeah. I
2: felt happy for her that she was allowed to let her Harry Potter flag fly, you know. But like it was just very strange for me that if I had done that in high school, it would not have gone over that way.
3: I, I mean, it's when you talked about the party, I was like, Can you throw it again? Like <laughs> and invite me And see, man, you, know, okay, this you
1: is, know, you can throw that party yourself as
3: well. We I could do that
2: for my fortieth
3: invite me i will for sure come but you know this is kind of our we weren't brave harry potter fans we were a little bit closet you know harry potter fans we didn't talk about it but now you know we're we're on air right now talking about so you know
1: there we go we'll move forward just a little bit here and uh, i want to throw this out there because we it's hard to go an episode without talking about some of t-man's favorite people and that's uh that's the the twitter movie world So (laughs) I looked through several articles. Film Twitter. Film Twitter. That's what the word I'm looking for. A little film Twitter. So I I looked through quite a few articles and several film lists, and I was curious, what do what is the people that interact with us on Twitter? What does film Twitter think is the best fantasy film franchise? And so I came up with four: Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, those were a given. I was like, I want to add another one in there. And that's when I started going to the articles to see, well, what else could I fit in there? Do I need to put Hunger Games? Is is Twilight in this? What, you know, whatever else. And I was surprised that nearly every list that I looked at had the Marvel Cinematic Universe in there. And I was like, cool, throwing it on there, too. So we got 78 votes. I just ran it for a couple of days. And does anybody want to take a guess what came in number one? I don't think. it's right, really. A what were the candidates? It was Harry Potter, Star Wars. Lord of the Rings, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel. Probably Star Wars. Star Wars. It sure did. At number one, 37%. Yeah. Awesome. Have they and, seen that last movie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have they seen The Force, Force Awakens? Hey, let's Twitter not Twitter. go down if that. Less, and this is what I'm talking <laughs> about with Twitter. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised. I kind of knew Star Wars was probably going to be number one. What was interesting to me is is that the other three were all really, really close. Star Wars was heavily number one at 37%. And then the other three came in at Marvel Cinematic Universe, got 24% of the vote. Lord of the Rings got 21. And Harry Potter got 18. And I know it came in fourth, but at the same point in time, in just a few percentage points of of the other ones. So it was all pretty even. And of course... It's really even. And of course, if we if film Twitter was, you know, people that were 10 to 14, you would say, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: would that change it? I don't I don't know. But I just thought it was it was an interesting poll. And I did want to kind of throw out something to to film Twitter, who I'm usually I'm usually on on their side. They, They typically like me. But I touched a nerve with some of them in in the, the in the Twitterverse, calling Star Wars fantasy. But I've got some news for everybody. I have the mic right now, and I'm just going to tell you, sorry, guys, Star Wars is fantasy. It's not even borderline. Your hero, George Lucas himself, calls it space fantasy. So we can try to get all prestigious and stuff with Star Wars and act like, well, it's not like Harry Potter, and it's not like, lord of the rings and this this is different this is important work sorry guys it's not it's it's fantasy it's it's part of it just yeah. want to throw that out there
4: i would say i would <laughs> call it sci-fi fantasy yeah i, mean, I think sci-fi elements, i think sure. there's that's the thing. I mean, I think these genres can have subgenres. So, yeah, I definitely would not call Star Wars just science fiction, but I also just wouldn't call it fantasy. It's definitely,
1: I think, in that science. It's science a combination fantasy. of both. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas, like you People know, were acting like I was just crazy for even labeling it, you know, with the other ones. And I'm like, it has a lot in common with these, actually. So
4: absolutely. It's, and it's like Wars, Dune, I would consider science fiction. Exactly. Lightrunner's science fiction. Star Wars is
3: like we've talked about. Science fiction, fantasy, absolutely. Listen, listen Star Wars Twitterverse, um, the the people that T Man loves the most. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I defended literally The Force Awakens for an and West just swept it under the rug for an entire day against West, <laughs> Tommy, and multiple people. And it's not even one of my favorite films. I defended it for an entire day. Oh, was are on there. Yeah, but but what you need to what you need to know is I love the films and it is sci-fi fantasy like i i a lot of times even mistakenly call it fantasy because that's the realm that it's really in and that's really what i love so
1: you should be happy you shouldn't be arguing well let's uh for the last part of the show here let let's get in and talk about the sorcerer's stone the movie itself and i'll talk just a couple of uh, aspects of the film and then we'll we'll get back over to our panel here but in 1999 Rawling sold the film rights of the first four Harry Potter books to Warner Brothers for a reported 1.65 million. So pretty good investment there for Warner Brothers to get the rights for four films, uh, as everybody knows how well they did at the box office. <laughs> but uh, Rawling, she demanded that the principal cast be kept strictly British and Irish um, for again, the main cast of the English characters, which is why you really get a who's who among English actors in the movies. For the first film, they decided to pick Chris Columbus, who, if you've heard that name before, no, not not the Discoverer of America by the Europeans, but he directed popular films like Adventures in Babysitting, Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire, he was also the writer on Gremlins and the Goonies. And if you, we can definitely talk about it if you want. But he had the, the pedigree to direct this type of film. And I thought he was an excellent choice uh, to direct the movie. Well, I think he also did Bicentennial, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to throw out some highlights. Good movies. <laughs> uh, he has some lowlights. Uh, Just saying, I mean, those. Christmas Chronicles 2, anybody? <laughs> um philberg uh t-man's buddy he reportedly going to be involved in in harry potter but he wanted it to be an animated film and he was going to use Haley joe osmond to provide harry potter's voice but ultimately that's not the way that they went and they they went with christopher so i love Spielberg, but that's a bad idea (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, like I
3: Phil that was too. one of the things I heard. And the other one was that Robin Williams really wanted to be Hagrid.
0: What?
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's he is hairy, hairy, though. It is true. And he <laughs> <That's> really. <laughs> but they wouldn't let him because it was an all British <laughs> cast. Like he wanted to be Hagrid. I've read that multiple times.
1: Well, it oh, wasn't just him. Rosie O'Donnell and him both campaigned very hard to be in it. And just thank the Lord Rosie stayed very far away from this
4: what on earth i love these like uh what could have been because like they hit it out of the ballpark like whatever you know chris columbus had. you know he's had a good filmography but the first two movies aren't the best in the series but wow he set the template up so well
0: Mm
1: -hmm. i think he was just the perfect choice to kick to kick the, the the series off for sure yeah so i i wanted to ask you guys a little bit about the main cast August of 2000, you know, a highly publicized casting of some of the major Harry Potter players begin to take place, and remember by this time the first four books had already been published. Fans of the book series from the get-go already knew the characters. It was already becoming immensely popular. So what do you what do you guys think about this cast? And I'm talking about our main core cast of characters from the first film. What do you think top to bottom? Great cast. Did, did they cast it right? Anything stick out to you with this?
2: So I'm really afraid about the day that will come when they redo these movies because I'm I, I think I'm going to hate it. Honestly, I love our core three characters, um, Dan, Emma, and and Rupert. They're just I can't imagine it any other way. Uh, they're kind of terrible in the first movie. Not going to lie, I, I read that they were so overwhelmed and so nervous. And just so excited to be on set that they just couldn't stop looking at the cameras. And they had to do multiple takes of a lot of the scenes. Um, and their acting was definitely not up to par because they they were new actors. And I, I love that they got to grow with the story. And their friendship grew as they did the movies, too. And you can tell. Like, it it makes it more real. So, I, I love... Harry, Ron, and Hermione's
3: casting. See, I'm a little different. I do like Harry, Ron, and Hermione's casting, and it does create the vision for you. But I think that they knocked it out of the park with the staff, like Maggie Smith as Perf- Minerva um, and Alan Rickman as Snape.
2: Um, uh, Alan Rickman, he yeah, he's
3: the best. S&P. <laughs> I think the teachers, but they're they're better actors, I guess you would say. But I think that the teaching cast almost trumps even the child, ca- the, the child cast the whole time, and they kind of keep the movie really, really good. I don't know. But it's
4: also Thought. probably a little unfair to compare, you know, classically trained actors like Maggie Smith and <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who was unfair. in Downton Abbey? I just <laughs> not believe, yeah.
1: you know, uh, in um, like uh, Rupert Grant's first role of Ron <laughs> Weasley that he just couldn't hold his own with Alan Rickman and Maggie Smith. I mean, what a dope. (laughs) Come on, come on, Rupert. No, but I think it's a great
4: question because, you know, on rewatch, I just recently, actually before we were going to do this episode because they all came on HBO Max, I just literally over the past three weeks rewatched the whole series. And I hadn't rewatched the whole series in a long time. It made me realize that they did such a great job picking the core cast, but also all the kids surrounding them. Because mm-hmm. they really, truly do grow through the movie. And I know that was their... That's such a, an amazing feat that they did. That they had to pick all of these kid actors who were then going to grow with the movie over a 10-year span and still be in all the movies. You know, so many movies change out kid actors all the time. I mean, I think, always think back to, like, the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. I mean, how many ki- different kids did Chevy Chase have? Like, each one was a different <laughs> set of kids but in this they're all the same and of course they had to knock it out of the park with the core three and i think they really did especially they had to have harry potter right and i think daniel rightcliffe's really great as harry potter he gets that core essence of harry which is ultimately just a good person i think that's ultimately what you have to have with harry a good person i think he exudes that and so yeah i think I think I think cast. on
3: that though I think you're right with Harry, but I think Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy, man, he's such a sniveling bastard. Oh, but he's great. man,
1: yeah. and he's, my housemate,
3: and, but yeah. he's so good. What's well, like, his title? They picked the right guy, like because man, you hate him, but man, he's he good through it, and does he? He gets a lot of crap, like the bad guy in the Karate Kid that T man for some reason loves, you know. But I mean, yeah. he is a the perfect
1: kick. now, yeah. Well, a couple of things I, w- I wanted to follow up with what T-Man just said. Number one, we're talking about Christopher Columbus. He, you can thank him for Daniel Radcliffe because he was dead set on getting Daniel Radcliffe. I think they they saw like 2,500 kids and and he had – He was trying to get him in bicentennial Tailman too. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, and he still might.
4: He still might. He's trying to get off the ground. <laughs>
1: But uh, so that that was one of the things that that you can thank the the director of this
4: movie for.
1: And but then the other thing
4: that's amazing, though, because if if that didn't
1: work, the movie doesn't work. The Siri doesn't work. He had he had seen him in something else. And I don't have that note in front of me right now, but he had seen him and was thinking back. and was like this kid's Harry Potter. And they kept telling him you're not going to get him because his family are, are in the industry and they don't want this type of life and publicity for him that uh, is yeah. ultimately going to come. And so they just slowly, you know, worked on it. And Christopher Columbus went and sat down like with, with his dad and his family at a play and talked about like what they wanted to do and just slowly wore them down. But I wasn't even planning on saying that, but just since you brought that up, uh, but the other thing I was going to mention team, and you were talking about, you know, knocking the cast out of the park, they actually weren't planning going into the film series to do you know, the seven or eight films, I, um, I apologize, uh, I don't know how many there are total, but they weren't planning on doing them in a 10-year span. Yeah, I- they were already talking about going to have to recast and all of this. However, due to the reaction from the first movie and how great the cast was and how much fun everybody had, they were like, we've got to grow with these characters. We're going to have to crank these movies out. And so it literally was like, all the people that were involved, like literally a decade's right. worth of work with well, very little breaks in between.
4: I looked at the release schedule and, of course, one and two came out a year against each other, which is amazing. And then they went, I think, after the third one where they did an 18-month like cycle. So they were coming out like every year or every other year, to your point, Wes, I mean, because of the cast logistics. So not only is it a great movie series, but it's also just a great logistical production challenge. It's kind of like on
3: par with like Lord of the Rings where they filmed all three at once. This is on par with that in a lot of ways. You know, and that cycle reminds me a lot of my family every after every Thanksgiving, we would go watch a movie and like I think two times it was Harry Potter. And so maybe that's part of why, yeah. what's enduring about it. Like I remember I that.
2: It came out around my birthday a lot a lot of times, which was really fun. And my birthday's in November, as is Wes's, so I'm sure he is yeah. too <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they, I mean they were their family movies coming in, out or and were still in theaters for two of the biggest holidays that mm. families get together, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, that's mm. yeah, a, I think three reason. of them came out in the holidays, yep, for yep. sure. So the only thing I wanted to add about the cast and I wanted to ask you three about this again for being such big fans of the series, but I wanted to point out Dumbledore played by Richard Harris and of course I always think of Richard Harris from Unforgiven, which is one of my all time favorite movies and him being English Bob in that. I just think he's a, he's a such a great character and just a, just a great actor. But I guess I didn't realize, of course I knew that he had died after the the second movie. I remember um, that even, you know, being in the news whenever he passed away, what I did not realize is that it's a point of contention amongst the harry potter community that this michael gambon there don't really like his version of dumbledore you know richard harris his two movies as dumbledore he's like everybody just loves him and expected michael to do that same thing and i wanted to get your thoughts on that to say was it did you really notice it that much was it was it a big deal to you with the change do you think michael did a good job just talk me through that I thought the I
3: thought Michael Gambon encompassed more of Dumbledore from the books. Like I don't I didn't know that it was an argument for. um, I mean I like the actor the original actor, but I like Michael Gambon better. I think.
4: Yeah, I would just say from my vantage point, it it somehow even though it's very sad that Richard Harris died, and he's a great actor, like you said, Wes. You know, for some reason, rewatching it, it fits the first two books that Richard Harris or movies that Richard Harris is. Dumbledore, because he is kind of more of the grandfatherly type Dumbledore. (laughs) And then when uh, Michael Gambon comes in, who's also a great actor, he is a little more um, playful, I guess, a little more, um, has a little more of an edge to him. But I think you need that as Harry Potter gets older. Uh, Personally, I love Michael Gambon's Dumbledore. He's amazing as him. So I I would probably lean a little bit more towards him.
2: Yeah, I I have to agree with what T-Man just said. It's like he read my mind. Um, (laughs) I think the first two movies are completely different from book three and movie three take a turn. Um, Things get a little darker. Um, And I think the the transition to a new Dumbledore, whether we wanted it or not, um, was, I I think it worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a little off-putting uh because you know you would have loved to have kept the same um same person in that role but yeah i i feel like moving forward as the franchise got edgier and darker and um a little more challenging i felt like he filled that that role really well especially at the end and um in book six movie six i'm
1: wondering
2: that i will not mention (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm wondering the more that I, I, I kind of looked into that over the last couple weeks preparing for the for the episode is i wonder if it's really his acting performance that people don't like, or is it because the people didn't like his attitude towards the series? Because it's, again, such a popular book series. And, you know, he he famously wouldn't read it. And he just was kind of like an in interview saying, well, I just kind of show up and act like myself. And then. He did a fake Irish accent as supposedly a homage to Richard Harris, but I guess a, a, a few times he flubbed that pretty bad. And there's a, a couple of quotes that people make fun of with it. So anyway, I just thought I would I would bring that out because uh, well, again, that's just another thing in the Harry Potter verse that's good to talk about.
4: Well, I think it's funny. Yeah, I think this kind of goes into where I don't want to be too harsh here and want don't want to be too general, but. When fans, I guess, deep dive into something too much, and it's kind of what we've talked about with Star Wars fans and just fans in general, and it's like I, I think they're just going a little over overboard there.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And at the end of the day, does it really matter that Michael Gambon hasn't read the books? No, he's an actor
3: playing a part, and he does a great job with it. Yeah, I don't care if my actors love my books as long as they do a good job portraying what I should they should be you know as actors just like i don't care if my fellow podcasters are on the same level of harry potterdom as me i'm clearly far superior like like i know you know where we stand i I don't care it doesn't hurt my feelings yeah it doesn't hurt my feelings
1: i agree well (laughs) 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 well i'm just happy that anytime on this podcast going forward that i need to work up a little little dark magic or whatever I'm good to go, and if I th- don't know the spells yet, I got a couple of buddies I can call on, and so. And
3: yeah, Wes, you don't forget, man.
1: It's a little under under tether, but you can probably talk to snakes. You know. Yes. Yeah, yeah I probably. I'll I'll try that next time I'm at the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> so the last thing I want to leave you with uh, on the cast was something that Chris Columbus said about Richard Harris. I, I cracked up as I read it. He said that. A lot of people don't know, but Richard Harris, he he called him one of the naughtiest men. He said he had like the most devilish sense of humor. He said he was a huge prankster all the way up until his death. He said he was nearing the end of his life and he was uh, coming out. He was being carried out of the Savoy Hotel on a stretcher and he passed this long line of people. Um, that were waiting to get into the restaurant that's there at the hotel and he started shouting it was the food it was the food (laughs) and so just a hilarious man and I I love that story that Christopher Columbus told And just imagine a a dying man being stretched out and he's still trying to play jokes so I thought that was pretty cool (laughs) Richard Harris great Uh, I wanted to move into the best scenes from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone so if you will, just throw out for the audience just what you feel were the best scenes, just a couple of them uh, from the movie.
2: Just throw out a couple. <laughs> of
1: okay. the very best. You can do <laughs> narrow them down. What are the very best? And, and here we go. We're about to say uh, the entire movie here.
0: <laughs> All of
1: it.
2: That is so hard. Um, I, okay. i I have to say that when Harry is left to find platform nine and three quarters and he meets the weasleys and then he's on the train and ron comes in and asks if he can share um the train car with him and i i just love it because for the first time harry found someone with humility um Unlike the people he had lived with his whole life who were worried about um, superficial things and looking a certain way and um, making so much money. And he he found this friend who had these snacks that were just like uh, crushed up. I don't even know what they were. And Harry could provide something for him. Like he bought all the things off of the the trolley. And... I don't know. I just love that moment where he realizes that he can make a friend. um, He can find somebody like him and and form that bond. I know that's really sappy, but (laughs) I'm sorry. That's how I feel.
1: (laughs) It's it's what you think is the best scene.
2: I have a best friend who loves Harry Potter. Shout out to Emily Howard. And um, we've been friends for 30 years now. And I, I don't know. There's that moment where those friendships start and there. It's just really important. Yeah.
1: We'll do us yeah. a favor. If she won't listen to this episode that you're on, please defriend her for that.
2: Okay. I called yeah. her. She was the first person I called when I found out you guys were going to have me on here.
1: So. Oh, awesome. So, well, hopefully she's listening. <laughs> Hello, Emily. I yeah. like it. Why is this going
4: full Slytherin here? I like I'm it. Trying I'm trying to. I'm trying
1: Just because <laughs> they won't
0: listen to a
1: stupid show with three morons that run it. <laughs>
0: yes
3: and Crazy. and point and point of and lesson to learn from Kyle scene your chocolate frog only has one good hop in it so that's don't right. let it hop out the window
2: <laughs> you can always make make friends if you buy them candy
3: it's yes good. that's another thing buying <laughs> candy for strangers makes them your friend tommy's, tommy's lived his whole life by that <laughs> what
4: <laughs> so I'll go next My, yeah, there we go hurry up quick say something yeah, before who knows where this goes next i there there are a lot of good scenes in the first man i'm trying to think of my favorite i really like you know when i rewatched it i really like just the the final like kind of 30 minutes where they kind of got into the action set piece where they went you know underground and they and then, then they played the chess with the knights mhm that that was probably my favorite scene rewatching it cuz it's such a cool set Really well-designed. Those chess pieces are so cool. And I've even really, you know, seen those uh, chess boards at bars and all. I'm like, I really want to buy a Harry Potter chess board. Because it's just that really cool. And it's a perfect, this is what the first movie does really well, I think. It's the perfect type of kids adventure movie that they don't make as much anymore. It really reminds me of like an Amblin Spielberg movies from the 80s where it has kids It's a kid's movie, but adults can love it too, but they're in danger, if that makes sense. Like, they're going through trials and tribulations, and there's real danger in there. And those last set pieces really does have these kids in danger, and you really feel that. And, I mean, Ron gets uh, hurt, he gets blown off
1: one of his chess pieces, and it's just a really well-designed sequence, I think. The only thing I didn't understand about that scene, I was like, why does Harry he doesn't really have to be on his piece? Why is why does Ron have to be riding the night? do
3: he would anything. have a horse. That's the only way he would have a horse.
1: Nobody knows what Ron's doing this whole series. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I don't quite understand. It was it is a good scene. I'm I'm not saying it's not. I was just a little confused <laughs> watching Matt Third. I was like, whoa why and then why does when he just stabbed the chest piece did it just it like blow ron like he just was setting on a bomb and almost died but anyway i'm just thinking too hard about it uh, uh, apparently uh gabe what what was your what do you think's the best scene of the movie this is where uh you know i've said some really off the
3: wall stuff on this podcast uh, in past episodes you know, when we've done our top 10s and they didn't really technically fit the category, this is when I'm going to get Wes to actually hang up. So my favorite scene is the setting. And wait, hear me out. The what? The setting. And I know that it's not an actual scene. This is why Wes's mind is like exploding inside of itself right now. Yeah, but,
1: I, I do starting to feel some pressure inside well, of let me spot, let, Hear ahead. me out.
3: Let me explain. This this is first created... The way that the readers would see Harry Potter, the book, the rest of your life, when you're reading a book, you picture it like Mm -hmm. when I'm reading a book that I don't I've never seen. I picture it. This created the the first time we saw Hagrid, the first time I actually saw Quidditch on the you know, on the big screen where I actually saw what Quidditch was and all the people set in the gigantic stand. The first time I saw Cogwood.
4: The so you're talking time, about, like,
3: the production, the whole I'm talking about the, the production, production itself, it. is the, and, and the production is the best scene. It is.
4: Because, and that's what I was talking about with Chris Columbus is, like, he knocked it out of the park with all that.
3: Sorry, go ahead. But it, it's so iconic that I couldn't, like, you know, pick an actual scene. What I'm naming is the first time you see everything because it's the dining hall itself, the train you know, like I said, Hogwarts. Hogwarts is a destination. You can go to it. It's in England. Like I mm-hmm. try to trick my wife into going to that. Ca- it's the same castle that Downton Abbey was filled in, filmed in. I, I like try to trick her because I want to go to that castle. And,
1: you so know, you I want to probably go with you if you wouldn't take some of your best friends on her honeymoon. She probably <laughs> would just voluntarily go places with you. That's
3: probably a point of interest.
1: Yeah. I want to go to Scotland
3: s- so I can ride the train. But the but what I'm getting at is all these individual <laughs> <laughs> set pieces. The wand shop. Like Kyle, Kyle, said the third most magical moment in his in her life was the one shop. And I'm not I'm ninety percent sure her marriage to Chris wasn't wasn't under that. And she's just trying to say face on the episode. I think it might be the birth <laughs> of her child one shop than Chris. Like that one shop is freaking amazing.
0: Like the first so time Gabe, you hold let me on, hold ask on you this. I've got
3: one more point. The first time you go to Hagrid's friggin' hut, a dragon, a Norwegian ridgeback is born. Like the first time you see everything is so flippin' magical that if we didn't have the first time you see all these wonderful people, like, the rest of the series wouldn't have gotten made, and if Christopher Columbus didn't knock it out of the park with all these individual set pieces, the rest of the movies wouldn't have been so enduring and gotten made. End of my scene. All
0: right. So,
3: you you picked production design as your favorite scene. That is yep. a interesting...
4: Both that's make. a new term for best scene. I like that.
1: Yep i think it'll never be done again it'll never be <laughs> attempted on purpose um, but yeah so it's like when they, for the next
4: well for the next oscars when they because production design isn't as an, is an academy award nomination they're just going to pick a scene from a movie
1: yes <laughs> that will really like that'll make this this come full force if they if they do yeah. that do the awesome well real talk did it we can do it at the oscars we're just going to go opposite. If that happens, Gabe, I'll come around. Got we'll that. come around
4: after that. I, do I don't see I it
1: happening, And do what it's... I feel.
4: You, you do. I mean, I think that's a fair point you make because, and that's what I was trying to say earlier about Clarissa Columbus. Like everything about the movie, the first one, really all of them, when it comes from whether it's the, the amazing kid actors to the amazing British cast to, like you said, the production design, the the costumes, the. Um, the settings, everything is just so well done. It's like the highest level production you can get in Hollywood, and you know, I can't really argue what you're saying. Wow. wow. I said something I
3: obscure, and you guys agree?
1: Well, two two yeah. of the three agree.
4: Two of the three. <laughs> Gabe used a uh, <laughs> charm to get us
1: to convince with him. Yes.
3: I don't care what happens the rest of the episode. This is the best day of my life.
1: I have... I came to a realization as we were going through this. So, audience, we seriously didn't know which house each of us were going to be put in. Like, we really didn't. I had a feeling maybe I would get put in Slytherin, but uh, we didn't know before the episode. But in true Slytherin form, my favorite scene of of the movie was (laughs) where Harry encounters Voldemort in the woods. While Voldemort is drinking the blood of the unicorn, and I thought it was a very eerie Dang, and very that's... well done scene for a kids' movie, and I just liked the whole dynamic of him and uh, is it is it Malfoy right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, right, I, I,
0: yeah,
1: Yeah, he kind of the 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 good versus evil are together, and you know they're walking around, and then the next thing Harry knows, he's he's by himself, and he encounters. Which, it, it like a creature. And I was like, this, this is good. I like this. And then you had, of course, that blue man horse thingy come running up and, and <laughs> kind of scare Voldemort off. But I that, I love that scene. I thought it was really well done and still very effective after all these years.
4: I was going to say, what is like the scene where Voldemort shows up?
3: I get
1: yeah, this, it now. Yep. You are a I'm, true Slytherin. I'm, I'm Slytherin. You
3: the only me. scene in the entire movie that scares my child. But I will say, <laughs> I don't. It, and I'm serious, Jack is scared of that scene. I'm the, sure, it's a little eerie. The, I don't talk much crap about things that I like, but man, that blue man-horse thing does not hold up in film. It does not like, at
0: all. No. That is
3: a It looks like a gummy,
1: like a like. I'm a like, pressure. what is happening? Like yeah. a gummy thing.
4: Most of the special effects do hold up really well, but there's a few CGI things that don't. But, you know, it's 20 years old, I think that's kind of expected
1: that's, at this point. Yeah before the blue thing, he shows up I, and I don't i still don't understand where that why that blue where he came from we don't hear from him again <laughs> i didn't well, know there's, where a, he there's
2: a whole there's a whole other story in the books about about them why can't i think of what they're called
4: i always feel like in the movies um that they do, like you said they do have to cut out portions and some more than others you know i think goblet of fire is one of the big ones where they had to cut out whole subplots there but I always take that like when there's a little sequence like that where it's just real quick and you're not exactly sure what's happening. It's like, well, they had to cut some corners with the book probably. Mm-hmm. Was there
1: anything else from the movie? We've got one segment left. Was there anything else about the movie you all wanted to to point out or talk about?
4: No, just my final note, kind of what I've already said is that to kickstart the franchise, while the, the plot itself is probably a little more kid oriented than it ultimately becomes rewatching it. It didn't, it was, it was better than I remembered. I'll put it that way. Like I remember, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more
1: kiddish than I thought. And it didn't, wasn't like that. And I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. No. Awesome. And Gabe, I'll say in all seriousness, I finished the movie and I already have a hankering to watch the next one. And I'm really surprised by that. I was like, I'm right. I'm ready That's to watch the next movie. And I'm, i I watched it on HBO Max, and uh, I was like, man, I'm glad the other movie's ready to go as soon as I get some time because I, I want to watch. It. And I've got all these screeners that we need to get watched so we can do our best of 2021 episode. But I'm like, here, wanting to watch Harry Potter. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wes has been going to Potterhead.
3: Yeah, y'all, Wes, you, you're what, pulling me in. See what I mean? See what I mean? Honestly. Wes. You're slowly completing me, and I'm slowly completing you. <laughs> this is like, you guys are becoming
4: like Voldemort at the end, where Gabe's going to be attached to Wes's head. <laughs> or vice versa. You guys pick. Doesn't matter to me. Um,
2: <laughs> I have one more character I want to talk about just briefly.
4: Sorry. Go, go for <laughs> it. Go for it.
2: Um, Neville Longbottom.
4: Neville, yeah.
2: So, Neville is, I mean, in the first movie, he's he's a secret hero, right? Um, he gets the extra points for Gryffindor right. that gives them the house cup um, because he stands up to his friends. And I. it's going to be a common thing for him to be this quiet, kind of nerdy guy in the background who's not doing very well at things except for Herbology. And um, he ends up being one of our big heroes. And I think that's important. I think it's an important part of this whole... Story is that anybody can be the hero, um, including nerdy guys who live with their grandma and happen to be afraid of her. <laughs>
1: so, well, it's <laughs> a loyal, very loyal member of the house of Slytherin. I just got to say that l- whole last
2: bit—it
1: <laughs> it was rigged. It's just uh, rigged from the start. A rigged? bunch What's of teacher about? pets in in uh, Gryffindor, all of. The professors up there, they're all winking and smiling and high fiving <laughs> It was rigged. That was a rigged election. We won it fair and square from the beginning. Double so. door coming through.
2: Snape was ticked, man. That Snape, that? Was Snape was, ticked. Snape was, <laughs> ticked. Should be. It was ticked. It was
3: rigged. It was rigged like these these movie drafts that West is West is doing.
0: People
3: <laughs> you know that people are voting for the heart. But we just skirted over what Kyle said and, and I think that neville literal, literally like in the books is probably the best written character and boy he is that silent hero and if you haven't seen the harry potter spoiler alert for what i'm gonna say next and but if you've listened to an hour and 36 minutes of a harry potter podcast and you haven't seen the movies who are you um <laughs> but i mean he has a big role in the seventh movie and yeah. he becomes that that quiet hero so it gives us all hope he's like the the beacon of hope for everyone. And awesome. so I think he is an awesome character that is, I think gradually getting more and more popular amongst the Potter I and think a it's a good
4: point about Neville. And it kind of goes back to, I think wh- another aspect of why this series is great is that JK Rowling did such a great job of setting the, like the breadcrumbs of these characters of like giving them real character arcs and, She set them all up early and they all paid off later. And that was a perfect example of she set up the character and he had a great character arc, even though he's like, what, the eighth main character. I don't even know what he would be, but he still has a great character arc in a series. And that is to have a great character arc from just a side character like that. I mean, that's just great story storytelling.
3: I'm glad you brought that up, Kyle. I didn't want to skimp over it too much. Are are
4: we at the point of the episode where we talk about characters we don't like? We just did. Neville. Let's do it. He he,
1: he, he hurt our chances (laughs) at the come. Only a true slur
4: and wouldn't like a true hero like Neville. (laughs) But seriously, on characters that are uh, just kind of, I've never liked. Let's be honest here, guys. Everybody, you know in your heart, this is true. Hagrid, man, this guy kind of (laughs) sucks.
0: What? (laughs) What?
4: Hagrid, I mean, what is his character?
0: The
2: man who Dumbledore would trust his life his very life with well,
4: let's put it oh, this way now
3: we're getting into the real hot there, take let's stay there's here.
4: a reason yeah. why hagger's character pretty much disappeared in the series like even jk rowling was like all right i don't got anything more for this guy to do and everybody finds <laughs> him annoying. like he's barely in the last movies and i was like thank you thank you
2: he was <laughs> off talking with the giants
3: well stay go over there talk to him Hagrid is the ultimate hugger. I mean, Harry hugs Hagrid like a hundred times throughout the series. How do you not like him? I, it's not that I don't like him as a person.
4: I just never, I just always kind of found him kind of...
3: He I'm gives not, Dudley a tale. There's a, he doesn't character.
4: And he never really brought anything to him. And like, even towards the end of the movies, I could kind of tell, even the main characters were always like, all right, they hug Hagrid and they used to like in the beginning they would have like conversations, but then in the later movies they would just hug him and then be like, "All right, well, see ya. I'm out
3: of here." I do I do feel I find his role where he teaches like Hogwarts students to pet magical creatures like a little pointless. Like, I get I do get that
2: a little well, bit. In but in in the first book, I really was when I read the first book after having seen the movie, I was really sad about the whole dragon situation and oh, how yeah did that because in the book it was really exciting because they were like trying not to get caught and they were up on the roof trying to make the timing to get rid of the dragon and like i don't know it was just way more exciting in the book than it
3: was the movie it's just like it's just like it's what t-man said it's like they couldn't fit it in so they just did this little
2: meh right
3: well like
2: is kind of like i mean he gave away secrets right would help the
4: back, yeah. guy to see the stone. So, I mean, he, I can see how he's kind of a chump, but he's like kind of very chump. lovable. There you go, That's better than I even put it.
2: <laughs> chump. I still love him.
4: Kyle yeah. agrees. He is a chump. If I he, one of those, like I said, th- I'm trying not to do a hot take this episode, um but I have to pull that out there. And I think once again, you guys are going to go home and be like, you know what? I mean, Hagrid does kind of suck.
3: <laughs> t man does these hot takes. Let me let me run one past you, Kyle. T man said he, he hates Tiny Tim. <laughs> what? <He made laughs> what is him? going on? Game is bringing out one from like two years ago. <laughs> one of his hot takes. So no, but I mean I think it's applicable. So you know who this guy is? that's saying that he hates Hagrid. It's the same guy that hates Tiny Tim. More. Tiny Tim. Need to know. Is also so really, he's one. like
2: a sizeist person. He doesn't. Oh, it's sizeist.
1: Nice.
3: I respect size. <laughs> man our six foot eight red-headed friend
0: is (laughs) size all
1: right I gotta throw this out there and see if you see if you feel this as well uh Hagrid kept reminding me of a character I'd seen in a movie before and I was like where the way he's talking the way he's acting everything and then it hit me he is the friar from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves not the same actor Oh, the, yeah. Just the same character. They just oh, remind yeah. me so much of one another. And I was like, that's it. That's, <laughs> kind I like I the... that's where the, he based yeah. his character off of. His, Jovial, his idiot. Jovial idiot. Exactly. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it right there.
3: <laughs> me and Kyle aren't admitting to your Hagrid hatred,
1: but, you know, we'll
3: think about it after the episode some.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe. Well, I think we're we're ready for our last segment here and then we'll get this thing wrapped up. But uh, like we did last year with Die Hard, <laughs> we want to ask the question, is Harry Potter a Christmas movie? Well, I mean, I'll take this away. Hey, yeah, go I, ahead,
3: Gabe. I'll take this away. I wanted to do this during Christmas. For some reason, Tommy said this was his episode episode choice and that, you know, I'll try not to be long winded here, but. Yes, this is a Christmas movie. How can you tell? It happens on Christmas. Unlike the movie Die Hard that he talks about, which happens on Christmas Eve. There is, a Christmas, there is a Christmas scene in the dining hall where Ron and Harry are playing wizard chest. Everyone's leaving. It puts me in the Christmas movie every time. You can see the snow fluttering in the window. Christmas morning scene, Ron gets a sweater Harry and Ron will get a ton of these throughout the movies. There's hand-me-down Weasley gifts. Harry gets an invisibility cloak that will miraculously solve his problem later on when he needs to sneak into the library. There's snow coming down right outside Hogwarts. There's also, um, you know, this movie also teaches you the ultimate lesson of Christmas. Right after that Christmas scene, there's a scene where Harry is sitting in front of the mirror that shows you what you really want. And while he just got this awesome invisibility cloak, what he really wants is to be with his family, which is the real meaning of the season. And he his family appears next to him.
0: Well,
4: I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> 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 got, I some, yeah, I like that, Wes. <laughs> uh, let's just talk. Right, game is doing some game is doing what the producers did with the book. He's doing some selective editing here. <laughs> so. First off, Die Hard (laughs) takes place on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It goes past 12. It's on Christmas Day also. But when it comes to Harry Potter, I don't see how anybody can call this a Christmas movie. The whole movie takes place over an entire year. I mean, do you want to call it an all season (laughs) movie? I mean, is it an Easter movie? Is this a a President's Day movie? It's, I mean, yeah, it has one sequence set in Christmas, but I don't think that's the rule we want to play with Christmas movies, because then, like... Mean Girls would be a Christmas movie. Mean Girls is a Christmas movie, exactly. I think you could argue that Harry Potter is a great holiday movie to watch, because... A lot of them did come out around the holidays. And when I say holidays, I mean like Thanksgiving, into Christmas, into New Year's, all of that whole time span. And they do give you a warm feeling watching them this time of year. I I think they're more considered in that realm.
3: But just to say they're a Christmas movie, I don't think that that holds a lot of water. Well, let me ask you this question, Tommy. Tommy. Um, so you, we brought it up earlier, and we talked about how we enjoyed spending time with our – I intentionally wove this throughout the episode. We enjoyed spending time with our families throughout the holidays watching Harry Potter um, during the Christmas season, you know, like right after the Thanksgiving season when the lot of the majority of the movies were released. When was Die Hard released, Tommy? <laughs> wait, wait, are we talking about Die Hard again? I yeah, thought we were well, talking about
0: Harry Potter. No,
3: I'm just curious. I think Die Hard was released in July. July. Uh, right when you're thinking like your main Christmas days, you know? Yeah, so, July, uh, Christmas
4: yeah. in July, Christmas that's the whole thing.
2: The determination of whether or not a Christmas movie is a Christmas movie is if you took Christmas out of it, it wouldn't be a movie, right? Yeah, but then I,
3: either I one of them also. would be a movie.
2: Yeah, but that's if you took Christmas it. out of Harry Potter... It wouldn't be a movie. It would Maybe. still be a movie because he <laughs> he could have gotten the cloak for his birthday at the beginning of the movie. He um I don't know, Ron. No, no, but Christmas creates like, the
3: ultimate setting for everybody to be gone for them to sneak in the library. They can't sneak in it without Christmas.
2: But they but the, he can because he would have the cloak still.
3: Yeah, that is yeah, he, he had clock. to get that for Christmas Kyle. <laughs> But I
2: told you he could get that for his birthday, the birthday. at the beginning of the movie. Like Jeez. I don't I'm even surprised there's Christmas in these movies.
4: I like the Christmas I, I like the Christmas scenes in a lot of yeah, them like I, I think it makes the whole movie I always
3: like those scenes in the movie so like I said I, okay I don't know okay to, hold I, on let me take a step further there is a freaking christmas village you can buy that's Harry Potter, and I want it. If you guys are wondering what gift I want for Christmas, like I know Wes was wondering. He, Wes is sitting over there. Gabe has got me these wonderful cat calendars, ten years in a row. What am <laughs> I finally going to get, Gabe, for Christmas? Harry Potter Christmas Village. Oh, there's a Christmas free-
0: Village. Nice.
3: There's, there's
2: free- ornaments that connect. I have ornaments? the tree topper there's and a- all the ornaments and the tree skirt. I have it all. But there's a
3: Harry Potter. Train but there's a Harry, Harry Potter, Potter everything. When oh, I yeah. think, when like, I think you, when I think Christmas, Harry I think Potter underwear. Walk.
2: Does that what does that mean?
3: uh, 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 let's not go there we weren't the Harry Potter expert
4: is going against this game
2: (laughs) there was no Christmas in Harry Potter it would still stand strong I think it is is better because of Christmas being involved and that Harry is able to get a gift for the first time in his life that's a big deal Um, but yeah I don't think it has I don't think it's a Christmas movie
4: Well, here's the thing. I I agree with you, Kyle. And I think we're being, and I don't even want to, like, say, is it a Christmas movie or not? Because I don't think it matters with Harry Potter. Like, I know that's a really fun debate with Die Hard, because that is a great debate, honestly. But with this, I don't think we should just say, is Harry Potter a Christmas movie or not? I think how I look at it, I think how we should call it, is it's a great movie to watch around Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I kind of classify it. And I know a lot of people that do that. I'll buy into that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy into that. Yeah, so I think it's a great movie to watch around the holidays because it it brings all those emotions that you're talking about, Gabe, that we love around Christmas. Being around family, being around friends, uh, that communal experience, you know, all those things that Harry Potter has that, and it's
3: one of the best movie and series for that. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. But
3: I do think that scene in front of the mirror is the ultimate meaning of Christmas. I think that's what the movie was trying to portray, but I'll let it go because Wes freaking booed me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Slytherin. (laughs) Wes <laughs> booed, booed my debate after I talked about the meaning of Christmas. Wes booed me.
4: Well, he's Slytherin, Gabe. He's going right. to do that. <laughs> Slytherin going to Slytherin.
3: Yeah,
0: Slyther, <laughs> Slytherin
1: Slytherin. Slytherin going to Slytherin. I'm
2: so glad I chose Slytherin for you.
1: Yeah, I think, it, I think it was perfect. I was trying to figure out how to incorporate it. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's just go ahead and dive into this with trying to break up a 30-year friendship. And then we'll just go from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's been> good. <laughs> all right well uh let's just real quick as we're wrapping the episode up just any final thoughts just on uh the sorcerer's stone or the or the franchise in general and then we'll close out well i'll go
4: first and then let the, the harry potter super fans talk next but i just want to say two things Really enjoyed doing this episode, really enjoyed re-watching it. Can't wait to do more in this series, so I think they really do hold up. And there is a Harry Potter reunion, actually, going to be on HBO Max, I think, on January 1st, with, like, tons of the cast. It's the 20th anniversary of it, and I'm definitely going to check that out, too.
3: I think we should have an event. Um, maybe Kyle should host it with her wonderful party ideas. awesome yeah i think a large
2: television (laughs)
3: um i I, i'll i'll go next because i think kyle should go last because she could close us out but i uh i love all the harry potter books and films and uh, sorcerer stone wasn't always my favorite but as time has gone on it has become more and more enduring to me that it's starting to come actually from where it was probably a couple years ago around the I'd say the bottom three of my Harry Potter films to probably closer to the top three or four. So just because of, um, you know, the setting and stuff. So they, they're they moving. They're a moving target. But I, I did really like the rewatch of this film um, quite a bit.
1: Well, I'll just say and then we'll let we'll let Kyle wrap us up here that uh, I think this was a this was a really fun episode to do uh, some. A lot more of discussion points than honestly what I was anticipating whenever we first you know, amongst our, our group here, announced that we were going to do Harry Potter next, I was kind of like, uh, I don't, yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be there. It's it's part of the job. But, uh, yeah, wound up really enjoying the, the discussion. Uh, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, actually. Liam, he is about to turn three, actually, next week. He sat down and watched some of it with me as well. And he's real big about Halloween right now because, you know, that was like, Just such a magical thing for him this year, getting to be Batman on Halloween. And so whenever he saw everybody dressed up with their their capes and their hats and, you know, all this type of stuff, he started saying Halloween at the TV. So he wanted to sit down Mm -hmm. and and watch it. And even he was he was really enjoying it as an almost three year old. So uh, I, I love the mass appeal from all the different age levels and it's something a lot of people can come together and talk about and uh i actually am probably going to watch the second movie here pretty soon because uh, uh, i really don't remember a lot about it again this is my second time watching through the series and i really don't remember a lot about the chamber of secrets i remember it being my least favorite of the movies so um uh, but still wanted to check it out Kyle, close us out
0: here
2: um i think that I mean, of course, I love Harry Potter. That's why I'm here. And I'm really grateful that I was invited on here to talk about something that I really love and and probably overly passionate about. Um, <laughs> to think about what you just said about watching the second movie and you remember it being one of your least favorite movies. I, I think what's great about these movies and these books is that they offer something different every time you read or watch them. Um, depending on what you're going through in your life or um, it, it's just, it, it's like you know, watching movie two might give you exactly what you need, even if the first time you saw it, you you didn't like it, depending on what what you've gone through. I mean, we've all been through a global pandemic. Harry Potter might make make that look different to us and might make our lives, it might be seen through a different lens now when we watch it and um i i hated book five and i didn't like the movie at all um the uh, order of the phoenix and then i i struggled with anxiety and i watched that movie again and it, it just like now it's one of my favorite movies never thought i'd say that but that's how important this franchise is to people it reaches out and it touches them in ways that they can never imagine and i don't know how jk did it um but I'm grateful that she did, and I'm grateful that we can talk about it, gather around, and and have a good time giving each other crap about what we know and what we don't know. I think it was like Gabe said; it just it brings people together, and I'm really grateful for that. And if you don't like the books or the movies, then you suck. No, I'm just
1: kidding.
3: No, yeah, I, like I was it. like, I thought you must be Slytherin. You must be, <laughs> <laughs> you must
1: yeah, be you're, West. You're Slytherin,
3: but but I like what e- or escape. You know, you said, you know, it, it might give you what you need
1: or it might let you escape from from what you're dealing with. It's the same way I view all three Ninja Turtle movies. So, yeah, <laughs> good, especially three. You know, if if you can go back and appreciate Turtles three anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> audience, uh, we hope you enjoyed our coverage of Harry Potter and. I don't know if we're actually going to be podcasting for seven or eight years to get through the whole series, so who knows? We might have to put one out maybe six months from now just to make sure we get through all the the series before I'm um, nearing 50. But a couple of things we would ask you to do to support our efforts here at Real Talk. A big thing you can do to help grow our show is subscribe and leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, that is probably... The thing that you can do if you enjoy our our banter and silliness and film discussion and you want to support us, that's probably the best thing you can do is is tell a friend and do those things. We'd love to interact with you. We want to know who our listeners are. We've had the best time on Twitter and Facebook uh, just talking about movies and getting to meet new people. If you're on Twitter, catch us over at real underscore cast. That's our uh, yes, could also be a fishing podcast as well. Uh, we're on <laughs> Facebook, Real Talk, a movie podcast page. Just type that in. Same thing you can do over at Instagram, except for add official to that official Real Talk podcast. And as we've been joking lately, and our, our buddy uh, Greg Bazzelli said... Uh, You know, you guys have been talking about your email quite a bit lately. I might just send you an email over there just to make y'all feel a little bit better. I always throw it out, and and I think we're up to about four emails um, over the past year and a half. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Real Talk MovieCast at gmail.com. Finally, we got to thank artist Matt Holland. I don't even know (laughs) why anymore, but we just want to thank him. And for us, that's a wrap.